0: We're gonna look at God's word together now. Um, I haven't got a PowerPoint, I'm afraid, on this device. Um, This has got a good uh, camera, which is why I use it. Um, My laptop's got the PowerPoint, but it's a dreadful camera. So I'll tell you the verses we're gonna read, but we're gonna have an overview, lots of verses. But we're gonna start at the beginning. Let me just position this a bit more. So right at the beginning of the Bible, you, so some of you have heard me teach before. Now, I often like to start there because it's so, so important. Um, and we're going to start at the creation story, but look at one of the main themes of Scripture. There are lots of themes that run through the Bible, but this is one of the most important ones. Um, and twice tonight, um, in the worship, and then Stuart mentioned it about the men's walk, and uh, as being in God's creation, the creation story is so foundational, so important for us. And there's lots of things we could talk about there. But one of the main things is the story is telling us how powerful God is. This amazing God speaks and everything we see around us comes into being. The uh, as Stuart said that the, the men out yesterday in God's wonderful creation, everything that you saw as you were walking around, was made by God. The trees, the birds, the insects, everything that we see on some of those stunning nature programs in the deepest of oceans or in the remote forests. God spoke and it happened. And there's lots of meaning in all of that. But one of the things that the creation story is saying is God is very, very powerful. There's only one God who created. There weren't other gods. And he's powerful because he speaks and things come to life and the next thing we see uh, is that God creates Adam and Eve and they're different and unique from all the other creatures because they're made in God's image so there's an importance to humans that is different from other creatures and we see that God is in the garden walking with Adam and Eve we know that from when the story goes wrong and Adam and Eve disobey God it talks about how God was walking in the garden. Before Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the creation story says all of this was good. And that means perfect. The, one of the Hebrew words that talks about things being whole is the word shalom. Some of you will know that word. It's still used today. It means peace. It means wholeness. It means everything is right. Everything is together. Everything is working as it should be. That was creation before Adam and Eve turned away from God. It was shalom, perfect, whole. Everything was working. God present with his people made in his image. But Adam and Eve don't obey God. They decide that they know better. They listen to, in the story, the serpent who is the devil, who tricks them into uh, believing that God didn't really mean what he said and we're not going to talk about all that in detail what we need to see for this evening is that God then judged Adam and Eve for turning from him and saying if you're not going to obey me you can't be in my presence you can't stay in the garden you have to leave the garden and the garden is where God was God walked with them in the garden so when they are told to leave when they are expelled from the garden they are pushed out of god's presence they can't be with god anymore and it says in the story that god puts fiery creatures cherubim to guard the garden they can't get back to god's presence they can't get back to shalom to wholeness to being with their creator and the rest of the bible story is about how can God be present with people again who are made in his image. And there's lots of verses we could look at, but we're going to jump in the story because I just want to highlight two verses from the Old Testament, and then we're going to go to the New Testament. What happens in the story over many hundreds of years is eventually God speaks to someone called Abraham, that's in Genesis chapter 12, and promises Abraham that if he follows God, if he leaves his family and follows God, God will make him into a great nation. That eventually happens over many hundreds of years. That those people end up in Egypt, where I am now. Uh, they end up here and they become slaves. And God rescues them. He talks to someone called Moses, who's caring for sheep in the wilderness. He says to Moses, you're to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And that takes many, many months for that story to happen. Eventually, Pharaoh lets them go. And then they're in the wilderness on their way to the land. And God gives Moses instructions to build what we call a tabernacle. It was like a, a temple where God would live, be present with his people, and it was mobile. They could set it up. Whenever they were camping, they set it up. And God's presence was in what was called the tent of meeting. It's a special tent for God. So what we see in the story is this. God is present with his people. He's not walking with them in a the garden. He's still separate from them because not everyone can go and see God. And in Leviticus chapter one, and you can write this down and look at it later if you want. Leviticus one, verse one. So the very first verse of Leviticus says the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So there's Moses outside the tent and God calls to him and speaks to him. So God is present and there are people there. only moses can listen to god and he can't go into his presence he's outside god is in the tent and because god's people are sinful and they're not holy god can't be close to them he still has to be separate but he's not staying in heaven far away because he wants to be with his people because he's a god of love and mercy he wants to come close but he's in a tent and moses is outside And then Leviticus, those of you that uh, know your Bibles, and um, know that Leviticus is full of all the laws and all the instructions to God's people. There's laws about sacrifices when people do things wrong. There's laws about washing and staying clean. There's laws about what to do with a dead body or what to do with sickness. Those of you that enjoy doing a Bible reading plan, um, I'm sure many of us, when we get to Leviticus, think, Oh, it's so long and there's so many laws. Do we really have to read this? And it it's, can be a hard book to read as there's lots of commands. It begins with Moses outside the tent. The next book after Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter one, verse one says this. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day. Moses is now in the tent. In Leviticus, before the law, Moses is outside the tent. He's not in God's presence. God gives the law instructions for how people can be cleansed from sin, for how people uh, will not receive God's judgment, they'll make a sacrifice, and the sacrifice receives God's judgment And because Moses and the priests follow the law, Moses, in Numbers, is now in the tent. The law works. The law has enabled the leader of God's people to be in God's presence. We see progress in the story. It begins in Genesis, in the garden, humans made in God's image with God, his presence. Then they get pushed out because of sin, because they turn from God. And God, in his holiness and power, says, I can't have sin and evil with me. You have to leave. And then God comes close again and lives in the tent of meetings. But Moses is outside and God gives all the laws and the law works because in the very next part of the story, the book of Numbers, Moses The shepherd of God's people is now in the tent, in God's presence. The law has done its job. The law is given so that God can be closer to his people. It's not personal yet with everybody. It's only for Moses to be in the tent. A bit later, when you read through the story, the laws are given and the high priest, the the chief priest, if you like, can go in once a year. That's what happens after the time of Moses, is one person can go into God's presence once a year. And then after the tabernacle, we have uh, you go through the story and eventually Solomon builds a temple. But it's still only the high priest that can go into God's presence. One of the other themes we see in the Old Testament is when it talks about God being present with his people, often it's in the context of them fighting the enemies of God, fighting people who are worshipping other gods and aren't interested in God's righteousness. So God uses his people as a judgment against wicked and evil people who are not obeying him. And you see again and again that God says, I'm present with you, I will give you victory. Follow my commands, worship me, and I will give you victory. God's presence also means God's power with his people, overcoming evil and overcoming wickedness in the world. That's important. God's presence isn't only to make us feel peaceful or us feel close to him. It's also about giving us power to overcome the sin and unrighteousness of the world. You get to the prophets in the Old Testament and they start to talk about a new day. They start to talk about how God's spirit which represents his presence, will be poured out on all people. That takes us to the New Testament. I told you we'd do this quickly. And we're going to look at two verses again. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 1, Moses outside the tent. Numbers 1, Moses in the tent. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And you can look this up. It's in verse 23. The angel... Is talking about the birth of Jesus. And it says this the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him. And many of you can finish this verse, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. The son that is being promised, the one who the prophets talked about, the one who people would know would be the Messiah, that means the one who's going to rescue. The Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One. His other name is God with us. That would be extremely powerful for God's people. Their history is God was with us in the garden in the beginning. Then God was with us in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting. Moses would be in his presence in the tent. The high priest would be in his presence once a year in the temple. God with us gave us victory in battle when we obeyed him and worshipped him. God with us enabled us to enter the land. God with us meant that eventually when David defeated the enemies, we could know peace again. God with us meant Solomon could build the temple and we knew a time of peace for many years. And now God with us is a baby, the promised one to a virgin, God with us is beginning to get personal, not just for a high priest, not just for a tabernacle, not just for a temple or a holy place. God with us in a person in flesh that you can touch, that you can see, that you can speak with. And we'll come back to some of that in a minute. I said two verses, the end of Matthew. So Matthew's gospel begins with a promise, God with us, a baby. The baby, of course, is Jesus. We'll look at some other verses in a minute. But the gospel ends, Matthew 28, Jesus, God with us, speaking to his disciples. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Again, many of you know this verse. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Next, I am with you. The promise of God's presence as he sends us into the world. The promise of God's presence for every single one of you in real life church who say, yeah, I worship Jesus. He's my savior. He's my Lord. When I go into the office, if you're allowed to do that yet, or when I'm in the classroom or when I'm with my family, Or when I'm walking in the park uh, on a men's day out with real life church. When I'm raising my children, the promise is God with us. Jesus with us. The Old Testament is in a tent. And Moses is outside. The law is given. The law does its job. Moses can go into the tent. Then a high priest. But the story all the way through the Old Testament isn't for everyone knowing his presence until Jesus comes. Emmanuel, God with us. And then he makes this amazing promise. As you go into all the world, as you work, raise children, talk to others about me. Pray for God to work in your communities. Gather and worship together. Sometimes in person, sometimes on the screen. He is with us. How did that happen? We saw in the Old Testament that God gave the law. The law worked. When Moses obeyed it, he could stand in God's presence. So how can God with us, this promise, how does that work? Well, let's look at some verses in Matthew, because Jesus told us how this would work. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says this, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Don't think I've come to get rid of what's gone before. I'm just doing something completely new. Jesus says, that's not what I'm doing. I haven't come to get rid of those things. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfills the law. We can't do that. That's why we couldn't stand in God's presence. That's why God's people couldn't stand in his presence in the Tent of Meeting. They couldn't obey all those laws. That's why they needed all the sacrifices. But as we know from other parts of the Gospel story, Jesus is the sacrifice. He is, as John the Baptist calls him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has fulfilled the law. And if the law is fulfilled, you can stand in the presence of God. If the law is fulfilled, it's like you can be in the tent of meeting. No, we don't have a tent anymore. We don't need it. Paul tells us the church is the temple. That's us now. How does it work? Jesus has fulfilled the law. We put our faith in Jesus and the fact that he is the perfect one from God, died on the cross in our place, has fulfilled all the laws and all its requirements. And that means we are forgiven when we put our faith in him we get washed clean and we can stand before god we're back in the garden we're back in eden we get to walk with god but jesus made it clearer if we look at how he actually talked about this with his disciples he didn't just teach us this but even in calling his disciples he, he makes it clear When Jesus called his disciples, he said, come and follow me. Now, we're so used to that. We don't understand everything that it means. Jesus was a rabbi, a a Jewish teacher. There were lots of rabbis. And when rabbis had disciples, when they called people, rabbis would say, not follow me. They would say, come and study the Torah together, the law, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. Rabbis would say. So I'm just looking on the screen now. That's John and, uh, and Pete and Mike. If I was a rabbi, I would say, come and we will study the Torah together. Jesus as a rabbi, says, come and follow me. That's very different. Don't come and study the Torah with me. I've fulfilled it. Come and be with me. Emmanuel, God with us discipleship is being with god knowing and experiencing his presence no priests no temple no rituals no right ways to do things just our faith and our trust and our surrender to jesus the one who is the lamb of god and has fulfilled the law Discipleship is one of the main things I'm saying tonight is a call to knowing the presence of God. Discipleship is a call to being with Jesus. That's what he called the disciples to, come and be with me, come and follow me. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, he says these amazing words, when two or three gather in my name, I am there with them, Emmanuel, God's presence, where there's just a handful. I'm there with them. When it says, in my name, what that means is everything that Jesus is and all that he has accomplished. We're gathering to worship him because he is the one from God, the Son of God, the God-man, and the one who died on the cross, the one who made a way for us to know our Father in heaven, all of these things. When we say we meet in Jesus' name, it's not just something we pray at the end of prayers, in your name, amen. No, it's everything that he is. And when we gather together, it could be in your kitchen with some friends, it could be on screen like this. It could be one day back in the school hall with a worship band praising him, those times that we miss and long for. But one, what Jesus wants us to understand is that when he was telling his disciples that he would be with them, he wasn't picturing a conference or a big gathering. He, of course, he could have those things in mind. But he was talking about family groups, friends gathering together to worship him. Some of the things that we've had to learn to do during the lockdown. We can long, of course we should long for the time we can be together and see each other and greet each other. And when we're praying, God, please end this pandemic. May the vaccines work, may this pandemic finish. May we be able to see and be together. But Jesus promised his presence when it's just a handful. No worship band, no preacher, no one gifted and able to run a meeting, you in your kitchen or in a classroom or with your friends, or in your garden, or going for a walk down the road. That's that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew. Two or three gather in my name. I'm there. I'm with them. I'm not in heaven, far away. I'm not distant from them, looking down, saying, oh, that's nice. The guys are hanging out together. Oh, they're praying a few prayers. Isn't that great? He comes to us and is with us because God longs to be with his people, who he's made in his image as the story of Scripture. In the garden, that's what he wanted. And he's given his son so that he can have that again. Again, remember, Jesus was a rabbi. And the rabbis used to say, they used to say this, when two or three study the law together, the glorious presence of God is with them. So the rabbis had a similar saying. where two or three study the law, the Torah, the books of Moses, God's presence is with them. Jesus said, when you meet in my name, because he has fulfilled the law. It's all about him. It all points to him. Who's the sacrifice? He is. Who's the one, the perfect person who can fulfill God's requirements? He is. So Jesus didn't say, when you study the book that Moses wrote, you'll know God's presence. Jesus said, when you come to me and meet in my name, you will know God's presence. That's why the book of Matthew can finish with, as you go, I am with you. The story of the Bible is a story of how God wants to be present with his people. Not just in meetings, or with certain rituals, or with certain ministries that we need worship leaders or preachers or elders these are gifts to the church and God uses them but God's presence means in your front room God's presence means when you're at work he is with you that's what he came to do God loves it when we gather together in greater numbers and when we worship him and we use our spiritual gifts and we sing And the word is taught. But God also loves it. When you're with him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And when you're in the middle of a crisis and you remember, hang on, God's with me. I'm not on my own. I feel like I am. I feel like I don't get, if anyone gets what's going on in my life right now. Hang on a minute. I'm not listening to the devil. God does. He is with me. Emmanuel. He died on the cross so that my relationship could be restored with him. The pandemic has robbed us of so much. It's robbed people of their lives. Maybe I'm sure some of you know people who have died during the pandemic. I do. We've known people here uh, we met not long ago and heard that they died. We didn't know them well, but it still touches us. It's robbed us of so much, totally changed the world and how we function. And it's robbed us of being able to meet all together in big numbers. But I'll tell you what it hasn't robbed us of knowing the presence of God, knowing Jesus with us. Real life church, don't let the lies of the enemy, don't let the confusion of what's been going on through the pandemic. Don't let all the talk of the lockdown lift this week, next week? What will it look like? What about the rest of the world? How are we going to contain it? These, these are huge questions. They're really important. We can't get back to England at the moment. That's pretty important. These questions are huge. But don't let all these doubts and confusion rob you of the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is yes, you're forgiven. The truth of the gospel is, yes, you will live eternal life with your heavenly father. But also the truth of the gospel is he's with you now, every moment. So what does this mean? Well, it means this, that God's people, the church, are to be a people of his presence, not only when we gather, but when we live our lives in the week. God is with us. In the Old Testament, we talked, I mentioned briefly about how that meant that people could be confident, these people would be confident when they're facing the enemy, when they're facing evil, when they're facing wickedness around them. The world is an unrighteous place. There are many pressures and difficulties. We could go to every screen I've got in front of me, every room, and you could tell me the challenges that you're facing. God's presence, God with us, means... Not that those challenges necessarily go away, but instead of fear and instead of confusion, we know him, he, he, the king, the creator, the powerful one is right with us in that situation. And that's meant to change our perspective. That's meant to give us strength. That's meant to give us faith. God, this situation is still confusing, but you are with me which means you will find a way. You will help me find a way. I'm not on my own. Lord, with my children at the moment, it, it, it's difficult, it's hard, but this is not impossible because you are with me. God, you know how lonely I am. You know, Lord God, that I feel, even on the screen tonight, very few people really understand what's happening in my life. This is real for someone. Feel the spirit speaking specifically now. You know, you know, God, what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. I'm not sure other people get this, but, God, you do. I'm not alone. God, I've been hurt. People said stuff and they shouldn't have done. They say they love you and they're Christians and in the church, but they hurt me. Hang on, God, you're with me. You know that. And, God, you're the healer. You're the powerful one. You're the one who brings peace. Which, if you're with me, then I can know your peace now. If you're with me, I can know your healing. I haven't got to reach for it. You're not a long way off. And I have to try and get hold of peace, or I have to try and find healing and, and get closer. God, those things are here now. This is what it meant to God's people in the Old Testament when they got it right. That they knew the powerful creator God was with them so they would see the enemy defeated there'd be a battle but they would win and that's what it means for us we don't have a physical enemy we're not going to war like God's people did in the old testament but we still have battles all around us real life church god is with you because of what he's done on the cross because of giving jesus it's a covenant and no one can take you from his presence. His presence means righteousness. It means love. It means peace. It means shalom. That word I talked about at the beginning. Back in the garden, God is with us. The world is still broken. The pandemic, the economy, politics, so many difficulties. We're not in wholeness yet until the new heaven, the new earth, until Jesus comes again. But in terms of in here, in terms of in my mind, in my heart, in terms of knowing his presence, I can have a taste of that peace, of that shalom, of that wholeness now, because that's what he's won for us. Let's make sure that we really live like this. One of the things I try and do, obviously, the daily time of praying or worshipping, whatever you do, listening to worship music, reading his words. These things are really, really important to do. But the other thing I I try and do is just during the day, in the ordinary things I might be doing, is try to remember to pause and remind myself, hang on, God is with me now. Am I aware of his presence? Am I stopping and benefiting from his peace or from his strength? Because we can... Pray in the morning. So some of you, that's hard to do. Young families or busy jobs, it can be hard to take time out. But we can do that. And then the busyness of the world, and then our minds and worries or things we have got to do come in. And before you know where we are, the whole day has gone. And you've not really thought that that was a day that God was with you. And then we long for the next Zoom time and we can worship and be together. It's good to long for these times. But actually, don't let the devil rob you of daily, you can know his presence. So I try and stop sometimes in the chaos of this city. And if you, if you ever get to come, and I hope, I hope some of you do, it is chaos. It makes Birmingham look like a village. It makes the centre of Birmingham like a quiet library room. It is chaos. We had someone building and digging the foundations for a new new apartment just across from us. 1am the concrete arrived to be poured into the hole, lots of shouting and everything else. And this was the 10 days of digging the hole at night for some reason. Why it has to be at night, I don't know. So even at night, sometimes it's not quiet. We can go downtown to a market. We don't at the moment because of COVID. And you can't move because of the thousands of people. And this is just a normal clothes market. And in the middle of some of that chaos, I'll stop and say, God, do I know your presence in this city? Do I know you with me? God, do I know you with me when I'm just sitting quiet at home or when I'm trying to do some Arabic? Just this simple habit of practicing God's presence of reminding yourself in the day. And over time, you'll become more aware that your heavenly father is with you and you are not on your own. It's not a secret. There's no special strategies. Jesus has done all the work. We need to be the ones that remind ourselves and let him come to us and let his peace and strength come to us. Real life church, you love God's presence. It's one of the things Heather and I love about being with you and enjoying him during worship and everything else i don't need to do any teaching about how to do that but that's only part of the story what jesus has fully won for us is his presence every day of the week his peace and his wholeness and some of you are thinking maybe well i'm not worthy of that or or i've got so many difficulties in my life is jesus really going to come jesus died on the cross so that he could be present with you And nothing you can do can stop that. Because he's just waiting for us to say, Jesus, thank you, you're with us, I believe. Now come to me again now. I'm going to pray, and then Stuart or Mel will pick it up after this. Um, And if they want to pray some more or take us further into this, then feel free, Stuart and Mel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, my prayer is this. May everyone who's on this Zoom call tonight know the reality of this in a fresh way. I know what I've taught isn't new for us. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of your word. But Lord, we forget it or we forget its power. I know I too. And with the chaos of what's been going on and our lives being turned upside down and still not knowing what things will look like in the coming weeks. Lord, there are so many other things that grab our attention. And look, Heavenly Father, we, Lord God, all of us, I'm praying for myself as well, not just for real life church, but we want to know your presence with us more in the everyday. Lord, we don't want our anxiety or our busyness or our worries to rob us of that. Nothing can rob us of the fact that you are with us, Emmanuel, God with us. When we're sent out into the world, that's what you promised, Jesus, not only in church gathering not only in the peaceful place not only in the quiet but you send us into the world and you are with us i pray for anyone tonight that has felt a long way from you and has maybe found some of this message difficult because they're thinking i really want to believe this but it's hard but will you come to them in the coming days well let them find your peace and your comfort i pray What anyone who's had something happen this week that's really kind of not their faith, It's really been hard for them. It made them not give up, it made them think, God, where are you? What well, if anyone has thought that this week, come to them now, Heavenly Father. Just flicking through my screen, come to them now, Lord God. If anyone has thought, God, where are you? I'm not, I'm not throwing my faith away, but God, you don't feel very close. Come to them, I pray. But even now, Lord, in their room, come and bring your peace and your strength. And Jesus, we thank you so much for this incredible truth. I pray again, help every one of us walk in it and know it even more. Amen. Stuart and Mel.